Man, that was a welcome. That was a welcome. That was a welcome. You may be seated. Wow. Well, I am at the basement every Tuesday night. I get to see thousands worship Christ. I want to tell you something. I travel about three or four times a week, and I was sitting back here a minute ago as worship was going on, and I thought, wow, look at these people, man. This is crazy. It's a bunch of Jesus freaks up in this house. I got to start off in the right way. You always give honor where honor is due. And I know where honor is due. I know there are heroes in this room. I've got many friends in this room. And if you are a youth leader or a youth pastor in any way, and you've given your life into ministry, man, would you just stand up so we can honor you right here and right now? If you are David Perkins, would you stand, please? Pastor David, would you stand, please? Honor the man of God right here. All these youth leaders and youth pastors. Wow. David, thank you so much. Youth pastors, thank you for trusting me and allowing me to come and be a part of the family tonight. I'm going to tell you, I already know God is here. I'm just excited to be in, in, in the midst of this. But i got to start off right. I always like starting out with the word. I, wanna, I just want to jump right into it real quick. If you are a female, I'm talking about a lady. I'm talking about a woman. And you know well and clear that you were born as a woman. I need you to stand up because when God made you, it was good. Look at you, Joe. Ah! Ah! Woo! Fellas, can I get a hot? No, stay up, stay up. We want to look. Stay up, stay up, stay up, stay up, stay up, stay up, stay up. When God made you, He said, man, it's not good for man to be alone. And He created one of the greatest things ever, and it was called woman. How many of you ladies know in the Bible, though, it says in Psalms 139 that you are fearfully and wonderfully made? How many of you know that? Come on, ladies, let me hear you say, yeah. All right. Have you ever seen a woman though, like like like, get some attitude, get some snaz, and like like I've seen it before. Like they've done it to me, like in a store somewhere, and, and they'll just kind of go, uh uh-uh. uh. You ever seen a girl do that? Like get mad? Uh uh-uh. uh. Who are you talking to? Ladies, I need you to act with the power that God has given you. I want you to look around at some fellow beside you with your hands in the air like this right here. Snap them fingers so I can hear. Where are the single ladies at? Where are the single ladies at? Where are the single ladies? At? DJ, hold that. Ladies, tell them now. Fellas, if you like it, then put a ring on it. See, I'm a single male. I can say that. If you like it, put a ring on it. Come on, ladies. Let me say, yeah. All right, ladies, loud and proud. I want your hands in the air like this right here and say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Come on, say it proud. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You may be seated, you princesses. Come on, fellas, let's give them a round of applause. <laughs> fellas, are we going to let them talk to us like that? I said, men in the house, are we going to let them talk to us like that? Fellas, stand up on your feet. Come on, if you are a man in this place. Now in Genesis 1.27, it says that me and you were created and we all are created in God's image. Say yeah. yeah. Now I want you loud and proud with every bit of man that's inside of you because you were created to be one. I want you to say, I am created in God's image. I am created in God's image. You may be seated. Look at you fellas. Come on. 
Now I got to do this. I, I, I'm here and I'm seeing different ages. And I, I was born and raised in clubs and bars. And I just kind of got to go here. Now I know a minute ago we tapped into some Christian music. And we were going somewhere. And man, God was in the house. I was just like, wow, he's here. But you know what? A lot of people out there don't, don't get to experience that. They, every generation experiences music in different ways. And, and you can always tell where a generation is by the music. And uh, I just want to start off for a second. Now, this might be silly, but I just want you to go here with me. I, I just want you to lose yourself for a second. And you've got every right to jump up. But I'm, I've got my DJ here. Everybody say, what's up, DJ? Say, what's up, DJ? He's the Christian DJ of the year, and he's here with me. And this is what I want to do. I'm going to go back in time for a second, and I want to see, like, some of you where you are in time. I want to see if you remember certain songs so that we can, we can connect. I don't know the different ages here, so i got to find out by music. Now, how many of you remember being a kid? You could be at the skating rink. You could be anywhere. You could, you could be couple skating. You could be in the back of your grandma's car. And when this song came on, you begin to dance. Now, when this song hits, if you know it, I want to see you up and I want to see you dancing only if you know it. DJ, let's go there. I want to see if they know this one right here. It's fun to stay at the YMCA. It's fun to stay at the YMCA. You got everybody. Come on, keep it going. DJ, hold on, stay up, stay up, stay up. So I guess so I got some of you. Let's go back in time. How many remember a song like, like, like? I can remember seeing grandmas dance to this. Like, how many of you know at any given time now that you, you people would dance? How many of y'all remember back in the nineties a song like this right here? Go with me, DJ. The butterfly, uh, uh, that's all. Let me see the two zero. Look at everybody, that one did, hi, hi. We're going back in time. Nowadays, you can't even dance. I mean, nowadays, they don't do any arm motions. It's all like other days. You got to dance with your legs now. If you want, do the stanky legs. y'all know some of these songs now since we're in Colorado I've been passing a lot of tractors somebody say yeah I've seen a lot of hay somebody say yeah and I just thought you know what we wouldn't be doing ourselves a justice if we didn't have us an old fashioned hoedown I'm talking about one of those old stuff Oh my goodness, it's just crazy in here. It's crazy. How many of y'all have ever heard of a place called Alabama? See, I'm from Alabama.
the love, you may be seated. I'm just honored to be here tonight. You guys are amazing. Ooh, we're going to have some fun tonight. Now, I told you my name is Matt Pitt. I'm from a place called The Basement. Every Tuesday night, we do a thing called The Basement. And uh, how many of y'all ever heard of a thing called ADD? Just let me see some hands real quick. ADD. A whole generation. How many of y'all ever heard of something called ADHD? It's just a little bit bigger level. Now, you mix an ADD kid with ADHD and they get a thing called learning disability, LD problems. And my whole life since I was a little bitty kid, I was in learning disability classes. I couldn't read like everybody else. I couldn't spell. I couldn't comprehend stories. I didn't understand numbers. And I would get so upset. My mom would always say, like she would treat, they would treat me at school and they'd say, well, we need you to stay behind in the summertime. And we want you to help tutor other kids. And I thought, me? Really? You want me to stay behind? I can't even read that good. They're like, but we, 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 need, we need your help. And they would trick me into summer school every summer. And I would go, Mom, what's the problem? Like, what's the deal? I, th- I just don't think I'm getting like everybody else. And she would always go, Matt, sweetheart, you're special. You're special. God has a special plan for you. And even though we don't know it right now, one day it'll come out. But you're special. And I'd say, well, well, like, special, like, am I just dumb? Is what, what was the problem? And by the ten, my 10th grade year, I'd already been through seven different schools. I couldn't stay at any school because I was too hyper and I was always getting in trouble. And, and, and by my 10th grade year, I was expelled from another even a Christian school. How many of y'all ever watched wrestling before? Wrestling? How many of y'all remember when wrestling was cool? How many you know what I'm talking about? Man, I was sitting at the end of the lunchroom table one day and something just came over me. You know, it just comes over you all of a sudden. And something said, man, why don't you jump up on the lunchroom table? Why everybody's here, and why don't you run down the table, and why don't you jump on that kid that's sitting over there, and he's not looking. And I thought, that'd be a cool thing, and I just did it. I jumped up on the table, and I come running down. And when I landed, I landed on this kid, and I heard his arm snap in half. The paramedics came, they picked the kid up. I was like, man, that is awesome. Did you see the way that thing broke? Later on that day, my principal came up with my mom once again, and he came up to me, and and he called me out of class. I'm used to this by now. And and he said, Matt Pitt, come out in the hall. And I was there, my mom was crying. (laughs) She she was so tired of it. And she looked at me. I was like, Mom, I don't know what to do. And the principal said, son, you're expelled today. You pack your belongings. You get your belongings out. And and, and it's time for you to go. Well, I had no other school that would accept me. How many of you ever homeschooled before? <laughs> Boy, are we smart when we homeschool. I found out you can automatically be smarter than the teacher, you know, because it's your mom. I'd get stuck on a problem. I'd be like, Mama, I don't really know how to do this. She'd be like, eh, me neither. I, I, I don't know. I'd be like, do we pass? She'd be like, yeah, just let us pass. And my GPA went way high. Now, how many of y'all got like a, a Jesus freak mom? Like one of those real holy roller type mamas. Like, like, like Jesus is everything to them. Anybody know what I'm talking about? My mama. This pastor one time said, if you could paint a portrait of Jesus, what would it look like? Now, you can understand something. There ain't nobody that loves their mama like this boy right here. I love my mama. My mama dealt with an alcoholic husband for 25 years. He would only show up at nighttime. She dealt with a, a drug addiction kid. Her sister, her, my, my sister 
was just totally sexually abused, beaten to the ground by somebody that we trusted for her to babysit. Beat her, stole something from her. She got depressed, lost every bit of her hair because she formed a disease of depression because she thought, why could this happen to me? And my mom would always pray. My mom, I never saw a day go by without my mom believing something big would happen. And even though her whole family looked bad and messed up, she constantly believed God's word. Like verses like Acts 16, 31, for you and your whole household shall be saved if you believe on Jesus Christ. If you believe and you pray. But my, I'm going to set a picture up. My mom was weird now. I mean, like, like she was weird. I couldn't watch certain movies. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I couldn't watch certain cartoons. I couldn't watch the Smurfs. I couldn't watch Captain Crunch. Why? Because there's powers in them. My mom was like, you can't watch anything with power. Only Jesus has power. I'd have to sneak over to my friend's house to watch the mask. You know what I'm saying? I remember sitting in the living room with some of my friends and I always hated when my friends came over because my mom would show up and, and we'd be sitting in the living room, man, just chilling, just watching TV. You know, you got to change it before she walks in like, to something easy, you know, and, and I remember she'd walk in. I could hear, I could feel her walking in and she'd walk up to me and my friends. I'd be like, mom, come on, man, go back to your room. And she'd walk up and she'd look at, she could smell on us iniquity. And she'd walk up, she'd go, I'll cover you in the blood. I'd look at my friends, I'd be like, dude, she smokes a lot of pot, man. She's crazy. She's crazy, dude. She's crazy. She's wacko, dude, doing a lot of drugs. I don't know, man. I don't know what she's talking about. Finally, my mom and dad mustered up enough money. I come from a very poor family, very poor. My mom and dad mustered up enough money to help me get in a learning disability program at the University of Alabama. And I'm there. I'm excited. I am so proud. And I, get, I finally get to the college. My dad has always watched on TV. I'm finally there. And, and the first guy that I meet was one of the biggest cocaine dealers on the campus. Now, I don't want to paint a picture for you. I was already into drugs, but not this much into drugs. This guy taught me how to sell it, cook it, smoke it. You name it, man. He hooked me on so many drugs, I didn't even know how to turn my head fast enough. It was another drug right in front of me. I remember my mom and dad called me one morning. Only time they ever surprised visited me. I stayed up all night. I, I dated a girl since I was a, little, a younger kid. I dated her all the way up through my college years. We committed ourselves to saving ourselves for each other. Even though I was on all these drugs, she didn't know that. <laughs> she was the pastor's daughter. I wasn't telling her everything. And, uh, and yeah, ooh is right. And, um, and I remember her walking up to me one night. I was, I was on the strip, Fraternity Road. I was down there selling a, a couple of uh, sacks of Coke. And I was, in, I was out in the middle of the strip. And I remember her walking up to me. And she caught me. She caught me. She red hand caught me. And she looked at me. And she was like, you know what? You are not who I I thought you were. You are not who I thought you were going to be. You know what? I am so done with this relationship. And she snapped her fingers and she walked right out of my life. <laughs> Ladies, that's the part where you're supposed to go, oh, yeah, thanks. And you know what, man, I'm going to tell you that night I went home. I sit up all night long. My heart was broken. I don't know if you've ever been in a relationship and your heart's been broken before. But man, I actually love this girl. And, and, and my heart was just tore apart. And I went home all night. I was snorting as much powder as I could. Man, more powder, more powder. I was calling friends saying, bring more over. I was just trying to lose my mind. And then that next morning, I get a phone call from my mama. And she says, hey, baby. Yeah, I mean, this is one of them weird times. Like, you know when your mom calls and she's like, I got this bad feeling in my spirit. <sighs> 
You know, you think Christ is like coming back or something, you know? Every time she called, I'd be freaked out. But she said, hey, baby, we want to come visit you and we want to come see what all you've been doing down at college. You know, I've been telling her I'm in Bible studies. I've been telling her that I'm making A's and B's. They can't check my grades. You can't get on the, the internet and check your grades without my approval. I've been lying to them all this time and they show up. And me and my mom and dad walk in the middle of 90,000 people in a football stadium. 90,000 people. And I get up there. And man, right when I make it to the top. So funny. God will allow you to become what you hate in order to hate what you've become. In the middle of all the people I sold dope to, in the middle of all the people I'd built a reputation and I thought I was popular in front of, I have a drug overdose right there in the middle of everybody. I fall out. I'm throwing up. I'm, I, I, my, I, I literally, they wrote on the paramedic report, I kicked my own shoes off my feet because the seizures were so strong. I was having a drug overdose right there and I was about to die. Had my dad not been there and able to get a paramedics to pull in that place and get me in. All I remember is waking up in the hospital and my dad is holding the bed and he's screaming, help, help. And I was, all I can remember is throwing up on myself because that's how most people die. If they have an overdose, they choke on their own vomit. They don't even know it. It just happens. And my dad was lifting my hospital bed up and he was helping me to, I don't mean to be graphic, but I just want you to know. And, and I remember hearing him screaming. My mama was crying and I didn't know what was going on. I remember waking up and my mom and dad were there and they were crying. I remember the doctor came in. I saw all the drugs, the screen. I knew that I was already busted. My mom was looking at me and she was going, what happened? What happened to you? I remember her crying. I thought, man, what have I done? They took me out of school. I came home and let me give you some, a little bit of good news real quick. Jeremiah 33, 3 says this. My mama never quit. She didn't care what the site. She never quit. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, call on me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things. Let me tell you what happened. My dad went to the hospital. The doctor told my dad, you got 10 years left to live. Alcohol has consumed your liver and you won't make it past 10 years unless a miracle happens. There's no way you're going to live the next few years. My dad stepped out of that hospital, went straight into the truck. He climbed into his truck. He closed the door and he said, Jesus, the same God I know that my wife has believed in, the same God I've seen this woman live through, the the God I've heard about. If you're really, really, really real, I know this ain't a holy sanctuary, but if you'll come and you'll fill up my life, I will give you everything I got. And can I tell you, in one day, my dad, for a 25-year alcohol addiction, was set free by the blood of the Lamb, by Jehovah. He was set free in one day. One day. My dad got radically saved on fire for Christ. So you know what happens? A trickle effect happened. He started taking me to do random drug tests. My dad says, Matt, I, I, I can see you're still into it now. Because of the drug overdose, I got hooked on a synthetic heroin. Heroin's a hard addiction to kick. And I remember one day I was driving to the hospital. My dad tricked me and he said, I want to take you somewhere. And he was taking me to the hospital. He whipped over the car. And he said, son, look at me in my eyes. And I said, yes, sir. He said, are you still on dope? I said, no, sir. He said, are you lying to me? If you lie to me, it's over. And I thought, what do you mean it's over? But I could always get my way out of it. So I said, take me in the hospital. You want to do a drug test? Let's go do it right now. And he took me in there. And Christmas, around Christmas Day, I remember hearing a phone call in the basement of my house. People ask me why we call it the basement. This is why. I hear a phone call and the doctor calls my mom and dad. And I hear my mom squealing, crying again. And I hear my dad hang up the phone and he is so upset. The doctors called right around Christmas and told him all the drugs that I was still on. 
And I walked down in the basement of my home and my mom and dad are looking at me and, and I saw her crying and she was shaking her head and my dad said, it's over. It's over. I said, what are you talking about? He said, go pack your bags. It's over. I said, what's wrong? He said, you're leaving. You can't stay here any longer. We love you, but we're not going to tolerate this. I said, dad, he said, call one of your friends. He knew most of my friends were in prison. He knew most of my friends have already died because of the drugs I was on. I had one best friend underneath a bridge that I was about to go to. He was homeless. And here my dad looks at me and he says, go pack your bags. You're homeless today. I'm putting you out underneath the bridge in Roebuck. You have nowhere to go. And basically, I was one step away from being homeless. That was it. And I cannot explain to you. I don't understand it all. I knew I was brought up within the church. And I never made a commitment to God, but I knew His Word. And and right there in front of my mom and dad, I said, wait, wait, before we move, I remember hitting my knees. I remember praying. I remember saying, God, I'm sorry, I'm a thief, a liar, and a cheat, and I'm completely messed up. But I want to tell you this. It's an insult to God to think your sin is greater than his mercy. And I remember sitting there in that basement. I said, God, I know I look like a mess. And my mom and dad, the guy I despised for his addiction, man, he knelt his knee down, him and my mom. And they could see that I was truly repentant. I wanted to change. Six years I was on drugs. And they knelt down and I invited Christ into my life. And this is what happened. I experienced it. In a basement. Here's the basement. I want to take you home with me. I started telling friends, you got to come see God. He's real. We got to pray. We got to worship. Just a few of us, only four. Then it became eight. Then it became 12. Then 20 of us. Where people are hungry. Where people pray. Where people worship. Take you farther than you ever could imagine. He's always looking. Even thousands of young people. This ministry of Tom has grown from 1,400 to about 5,000 in five months' time. You say, why, Matt? Why did it happen? Does God just choose people and He does things? Absolutely not. The Bible says He's not a respecter of persons. Something happens when just a small remnant of people, maybe four or five, in their car, at their home, at their church, or their youth group, anywhere. But God so loves hungry people. I thought a minute ago as you worshipped, I thought, my God, this is one of the most hungry crowds I've ever seen. I can't even begin to dream up what God's going to do with some of you. Some of you I'm going to read. I'm going to read in news. I'm going to read stories about. But prayer movements where people begin just to pray. When they get on their knees, it might be four or five of you. And yes, sometimes it takes years. It took us two years with nothing but about a hundred or two guys just praying. God will see if you'll stay true with a little and then he'll give you so much more. 
But we would pray and we would worship and we would not give up on him. And God had a bigger plan than our little prayer movement and our little bitty prayer uh, circle. God had a plan. And we all know his plan is to not only know Christ, but to make him known. He now, we have over 200 countries that tune in live every Tuesday just to watch us lift up Jehovah. To watch us lift up Jesus Christ. From a prayer meeting. From a prayer study, and I come in here and I hear about all the different groups here who've been praying at their cars, who've been praying at their houses, who've been praying at their churches. I watched your worship and I thought, man, wherever they're from, God is about to do something so much bigger than they can even understand. You know, one of the people, one of my favorite people, though, who got saved through the basement was my own sister. She had turned her back completely towards God because of the sexual abuse. I told her one time... It's kind of like this $100 bill I brought. A lot of girls and guys have been through the process. They've been used, man. They've been abused. I meet kids every week. Tomorrow night I'll be in Kansas City. Last night I was in Texas. I'll travel all week and I meet kids with cuts all the way up their arms. And they show me the pain of a dad leaving. They show me the pain of what people say about them. They show me the pain where some male came in their life, took something from them, and man, it scarred them, it squeezed them, and it bruised them. Some people have literally... Like my sister have just been stepped on. I mean abused. Some of you have been abused by people you loved and trust. I mean it was like boom they stepped on you. And, 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 and your life has felt like man somebody has just completely squeezed every bit of everything out of you. But you know I told her I said Carla. I said sweetheart. You know it's like a hundred dollar bill I said. If I asked you if you wanted it you would say yes. Even if I squeezed it. Even if I bruised it. Even if I hurt it. Even if I stepped on it a million times, even if I rubbed it in dirt a million times. But if I still asked you if you wanted it, it still holds a hundred percent value. No mistake, no mess up, no screw up, no beat down, no hurt, no nothing can take out the value. When God looks at you, he sees one hundred percent value. One hundred percent. I tell girls all the time, man, I get so tired of hearing the wrong type of doctrine when I know God's word. Girls say, man, I've made mistakes and I don't feel like I can be a brand new virgin or guys. And I say, hey, really? It's funny to me. Second Corinthians 5, 17 says, old things are passed away and all things become new in Christ Jesus. The psalmist began to write that God remembers sin no more as far as from the east is to the west. One thing God cannot do is remember your sin when you truly ask for forgiveness. See, people don't understand the liberty they have in Christ, the freedom. I mean, when, when, when you ask and you say, God, I want a new life. I want a new beginning. I want to do something. You say, Matt, that's great, but I need scripture to really to, to sink this thing in my heart that I'm valuable. Well, I could go to the Old Testament, even in Exodus 19.5. The Bible says, for you, you are my treasured possession. One of my favorite thoughts is when Christ was on the cross. Think about this. He had just been beaten beyond recognition. Crown of thorns pushed on his head Took a beating like nobody could ever think And here he is standing on the cross Some people think Jesus is like some kind of weenie or, 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 or I hear people talk about him like he's not a champion I can only imagine this day Now remember I'm not a good enough communicator To tell you what happened I barely can understand what I read From time to time And I've only got a few accounts I have to go off what historians have said From time to time but they talk about Jesus and in the scriptures, one of the things it says about him is 
that he found the energy, one of the last things he said on the cross was, it is finished. Now, some people think, historians write, that he looked and he drawed near and he looked to God and he said, it is finished. And I don't know, I was not there, so I can't say whether he did or he didn't, but this is what I think just the way I see it because he's a champion it was all about me and you see if you read that word it is finished in the Greek it means this it comes from a word called tatalista which means paid in full like if you bought something sometimes they take out an old stamp and they stamp the paper and it says paid in full like it's yours you paid for it here's the Christ here's the Christo here's the anointed one I see him on the cross. And right as he gets ready to say it, I see him looking right in the bowels of hell. I see him finding the devil and all of the, what's going on. And I see him looking down and saying, It is finished. Paid in full. Paid in full. Everybody, stay where you're at. Looking around. If you don't know that you're right with Christ, I know that we're supposed to know in this place that we all are. With every eye closed and every head bowed for just one second. If you don't know and you want to receive this precious love, this precious grace, this precious mercy, one drop of His blood can erase every stain in your entire life. When I say one, lift your hands. Get ready. Get ready. One right now. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. 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 Say this with me. Say this loud and say this proud. Say, Jesus. Lord, I ask you into my life. I ask you to forgive me of all sin. I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. I ask you to teach me and guide me in your ways, in your truths. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, and everybody said, may be seated. Thank you for all the hands. Thank you. Tonight, if you did that, I want you to connect with a pastor, a youth pastor, reconnect with Desperation Conference. Let us know what God did in your life. But as I begin to wrap this thing up, I want you to know this. I didn't just come to see that many what might be saved. There is a plan. There's a plan on earth for me and you. And people ask themselves all the time, especially in their teens and 20s and 30s, they go, why am I here? And Christ so simply left it in such an easy manner. It's to know him. And then to make him known, wherever you are, people all the time come up and they go, Matt, I want to go anywhere. I'll go to the ends of the world. And I think that's awesome. That's amazing that you would do that. But you don't have to go anywhere if you minister everywhere you go. Jesus said it like this. His last words was go and you shall be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the world. What he was saying is, why don't we start at home? 
And then once we've done it at home, we'll do it in our city. And once we've done it in our city, we'll do it in our state. And once we've done it in our state, we'll do it in our nation. And once it's happened in our nation, guess what? The world will join in. From just being a witness. Now, how many of you know there's no wrong way to witness? But there is some crazy ways. Like I got a friend back home. His name, I ain't going to tell you his name because he'd get mad. But we go in a restaurant all the time. And we'll go in a restaurant. I'll be ordering me some food. And, and I'll be sitting there wanting to have a nice meal. And he'll just hop up. And he'll look at everybody in the restaurant. And he'll go, how many of you love Jesus? Nobody will say nothing. He'll go, you're all going to hell. And I just think, man, what did you just do? But you know what I love? God is so awesome that he, he takes seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds, nine-year-olds, ten-year-olds, uh, anybody in their teens, at any age. There's no young. There was kings in the Bible that were eight years old. Noah, after he'd entered the ark, was 650 years old. Man, Moses, one of, the, one of the oldest guys you can think of, led two million people out of slavery and captivity. Why? Because God will always interrupt history. When people don't even want to answer the call, I know there's people in this room right here, right now. You might be a believer. You might be saved. Many of you might just have made a decision. But some of you know you're called to change the world you live in. And there's ways to do it like praying. Like God's word. Worshiping. There's ways to change the world you live in right where you're at. And it's that simple. But yet God will always interrupt history. And if God don't, I want to tell you this. There will be an evil force that will always try to. It's almost like a tug of war constantly going on. Even though God knows the whole, the Bible says he is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is Jehovah Jireh. He knows all things he's never took by surprise. He knows when you're going to answer the call and when others are not. He's God. But yet it's a tug of war going on here on earth to see who will stand up and who will answer the call and who will interrupt history. Habakkuk 1.5 says it like this. Look around. When I think it, look around at the nations and be amazed. For I am doing something in your day that people wouldn't believe even if someone told you about it. Let's take a look. Interruptions. Interruptions. Evil forces will come. There will always be interruptions. Ten years ago, this happened. Interruptions. They'll happen all over the world. Interruptions. You're going to watch them. You say, why are you showing us this? Because you see it every day on television. i got to remind you. We need people to stand. We need people to pray. Interruptions are going to happen. Constantly interruptions are going to happen. You see it every day. Your mom and dad can tell you all the time. Another interruption. Interruptions. 22 school shootings last year alone. Why? We took God out of our schools. Interruptions. 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 But if God could just find a people, find somebody, He'll interrupt history. Interruptions. Hundreds, even thousands of young people... This ministry on has grown from interruptions to about five. Somebody's gotta be praying. Somebody's gotta be worshiping. Interrupt God who takes you places you cannot imagine. 
And the big draw? Well, it's bringing the gospel to an MTV generation. I've never been so moved in my life for a generation of radical people who will say, you know what? I'll stand in my high school. I'll stand on my college campus. I'll stand wherever I have to. And they become radical and they stand. I'm watching all over the country. We're just one little bitty piece of the puzzle. Second Chronicles 16, 9 says, for God looks to and fro right now to find someone to show himself strong. On their behalf, D.L. Moody said it like this, the world is yet to see what God can do with someone who is fully surrendered to him. Surrendered. Could you imagine a movement that begins with prayer? Could you imagine a movement that begins with people really hungering after God's word? Could you imagine a day when people are going to be worshiping and they're going to care less what anybody has to say or what anybody thinks? They're going to care less about popularity. They're going to care less about their reputation. They're going to care less what people say or think. Such a generation is coming. Such a generation is happening. I'm telling you, I'm seeing spurts of it all across the world. I am just honored. I'm humbled that I could be here tonight to just see what I saw in worship. I thought wherever these people go, when they leave this place, if they take that with them, within time, their communities are going to have to change. Things are going to happen if you stay true and you stay faithful and you pray and you believe and you walk this thing out because I do want to remind you, Matthew 24, 14 says this. Once the gospel has been preached to all the world, then the end will come. I want to take you back to that it is finished moment. Christ on the cross. He says it is finished. He pays a price for me and you. Man, his blood goes further than anything we can comprehend. I can't even communicate it. I wish I could. I, sometimes I have to yell and scream because I'm too slow to think how to say how much he loves you. I can't even communicate how much God loves you. It's unbelievable. But yet it is finished. He's on this cross. And I believe something happens. And right after he says it, I believe this. He wanted us to be a part of history. History makers, city shakers, world changers, bondage breakers. It is finished. And the devil's going, yes. And then he goes, into your hands. This generation. He saves you for such a sweet moment. Down, down. And the devil's looking up, up, up. Why did he save you? My God! What's he doing down here? And he runs up and he grabs the keys. He grabs the keys from the devil and he takes them. He snatches them out of his hands and he says,
us this. We need to be reminded we're called, we're chosen for a moment. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. You say, Matt, why are you telling us this? Because, man, every time you look for eternity, every time you live every day like it's your last, you even not only get a reward and a crown for it, but you're living for something that matters. See, whether you work an eight to five job or you're a school student, an intern at a church or whatever it is you do, eternity is coming. Whether you go to it or it comes to you, eternity is coming. They approximately give us 73 to 78 years on this world and then it's gone. A hundred years from now, it's not going to matter if we were popular at a lunch table or if if we had the right car or even the right house. A hundred years from now, nothing's going to matter. You'll be standing face to face with your maker, your creator, Jehovah Jireh. He'll be right there. And what will matter is if we made our life count. Is if we knew Christ and we made him known. You say, well, Matt, what would that look like? Well, here at Desperation, I've seen such a hunger and such a thirst for his presence. I might as well tell you, and some of you have probably been and even know what happens around the rest of the world. But since I have friends and missionaries around the world, I must tell you a few things. Like in Southeast Asia right now, if you even say the name Jesus, they'll take a a, a, a thing of boiling water. Hold for a second. Take a thing of boiling water. Turn it up 212 degrees. Why? 212 degrees because the 212 degrees... It boils. If you say the name Jesus, you might be 8 years old or 12 years old. But if you say his name, you have to open up your mouth. Your own mom or dad or uncle will take that scolding water. They'll pour it down your throat so that it'll burn your larynx out. So that you'll never ever say the name Jesus again. And I get to come to a place like this. And I get to hear people scream his name and worship and ju- just enjoy the fellowship and the worship. And I, I mean, it just it makes you, it gives you not only chills, but you want to cry. And you think, man, we are so free here in America to do whatever. And then I'm reminded in underground China, some places you can't even say Jesus' name out loud or they'll kill you for it. There's a little bitty group of people praying for God to move in China. A little bitty room. They don't get to come in a big room like this. I love it when we're here. The lights, the music, the atmosphere. I think, wow. But they meet in these little underground rooms from time to time. They're dark. They're scary. And then they'll pray. They'll pray and they'll worship. And they'll say, Emmanuel is with us. And they'll sing. In one of those little places, these soldiers bust in this place. They come in running with guns. The people are freaked out. They know they're about to die if they stay. All the soldiers are lined up with guns, pointing at every person who has their hands lifting for Christ. The general stamps up. He looks at the people and he removes his mask and he says, If you're going to stay and worship him, You shall surely die. If you're going to stand, you'll die. But if you're not, this is your time to leave. This is your time to go. Man, you can only imagine. People started running. The only people that were there, people got scared, freaked out. They took off. (laughs) But there was a mom there, a few kids, and they were holding their hands. And I can almost imagine they were saying, baby, just stay. It's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it when we see Jesus. (laughs) Little 
kids scared, moms and dads scared. Pray it, pray it. The general, the soldier, steps up. He takes off his helmet. He lays down his guns. And he says, now we can worship him. We just wanted to see who will stand. Who will stand. Who will stand. Oh, we're going to stand. Will you stand at your high school, at your college, at your house, at your church? Will you stand for the call of Christ to fulfill the Great Commission? Jehovah, here you are. Here they are. A generation. This is what's going to get ready to happen. We're going to have a sovereign moment where if you're in your chairs, I'm going to call you to action, man. This is your moment. This is your hour. We need people to put boots on. We need people in the field, in our cities, in our state, in our country, in our world. We need people who will stand for Him. When you're ready to move, I want you to move to this altar saying, man, I'm going to not only commit my life, but I want to stand for something. I want to give God everything I got. When I say one, you move and you move as fast as you can out of those seats.